Yeah, it's wild. just always something different. Yeah, which is cool. It's fun. Sometimes you get a little bit creatively drained, but that's the beauty of doing collabs with guys like you. Like, you know, the running joke I always say at work, like whenever I go to do collabs or do collabs with you guys, it feels like a working vacation. And I, sure. you know, I <laughs> get to do something new and inspired. And like this beer is cool because I finally got to use roasted buckwheat again, but with gold naked oats and do this new thing that's like this cool and creative. But then when I go on different vacations, like, you know, just an actual vacation, I come back like, why am I not rich? Why do I have to have a job? Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Kentucky Commons Radio Hour. I am Michael Moeller, uh, joined by John Renane. Hello. David Satterley. Yeah. And a special guest, Peter Batinsky, the uh, head of Sour and Specialty at Highwire Brewing. Uh, we are not at Brewgrass Homebrew Supply in Louisville, Kentucky. We are mm-hmm. in Asheville, North Carolina at the South Slope location for Highwire. Peter, thanks for uh, inviting us in today. Yeah, anytime. This has been a great experience. Yeah. Uh, you're a head of Sour and Specialty, which is basically just R&D. Um, so to an extent, so head and sour, head of sour and specialty means I run the sour program and specialty program, which is specialty is kind of like my brainchild. It's like whatever comes out of that R and D is I do the R and D brewing, but definitely not head of that or in charge of it. Even though I make the beer, the R and D is a, it's a collective effort. Uh, there's, you know, it's a round table discussion about what we want. And then uh, a lot of minds come together to, you know, put one recipe into fruition and then I'm just the guy who makes it. There's some times where the recipes, you know, I'll have a larger hand than others in. And then there's somewhere uh, another brewer might have like a really good idea. And then, you know, we roll with most of his idea. Nice. Yeah. And, we, and we're here for a little R&D ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but let's open up the show the same way that we always like to open up the show is uh, with a beer to share. Uh, and this one we want specifically to bring with us because we want you to experience it as well. Uh, David, tell us a little bit about yeah. what we brought. We brought you um, quite quite uh, unanimously one of the finest Kentucky Common ales. Okay. Kentucky Common beer style, old pre-prohibition style. Mm-hmm. We're working on reviving it. It has the namesake in the podcast, but this is from a brewery in uh, Richmond, Kentucky called Dreaming Creek. Uh this is probably one of the only like canned consistently made Kentucky common. So we're just trying to bring a little bit of home yeah. out when we travel. So I'm excited about this. I've had a few of this style before, but I've never had anyone say that this is like, you know, unanimously the one to try. So it was like two years ago, we did the Kentucky common fest at in Frankfurt, the capital of Kentucky mm-hmm. on the like, capital grounds. And uh, we had five or six different breweries submit their Kentucky commons. And we had Leah Dinas who actually like helped write the BJCP style guidelines for the style as one of the judges um, so they blind tasted through six or seven of them from different breweries. And I, if I recall, Dreamy Creek was pretty much unanimously everybody's, you know, a favorite. Yeah. Akasha won. Uh, but yeah, everybody, everybody likes Dreamy Creek's Kentucky yeah. Common. It is. They keep making it. They keep uh, making it. They yeah. recently had the governor out um, drinking Kentucky Common as the governor of yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. Which if you know anything about politics, they pretty much won't drink or <laughs> even appear to drink alcohol on Camera, video, whatever. Unless it's bourbon for some reason in Kentucky. That's Everybody true. will hold a glass of bourbon and like look fancy. Or a mint yeah. julep, I guess, is yeah. technically okay. Yeah. Well, cheers, guys. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Yeah. And yeah, thanks for letting us uh, crash here today. Yeah, no, man. I, this is awesome. Anytime you guys want to stop on by and brew some beer, let me know. We will absolutely take you up on that. Let's give a, a little bit of context, too, for where we're sitting. We're at Highwire, mm-hmm. um, but we, you offer, generously offered to let us uh, record back here in your old kind of new project. Yes. This is a fairly new thing, right? Yeah. Uh, we're in the Tiki Lounge. How do you guys uh, brand this thing? Oh, well, speaking of, oh. the, speaking of the devil, so, here comes the thunderstorm. Um, yeah. If, so this is a Tiki Easy, as we call it. Uh, as everyone can see, the lights just changed. Uh-huh. And that just uh, This only happens every 35, 40 minutes, so... Uh, a thunderstorm's about to roll in. We're gonna have some fans it. roll. Rain will come in. It's really oh, like, yeah. relaxed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's the it's lightning. A big one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a soothing. It's a soothing yeah. rain. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. We dig it. Um, this is one of the my more favorite parts of this. But yeah, as, to go back to what this is, uh, the Tiki Easy is, um, it's our Speakeasy Tiki Bar. I hope everyone can hear me over yeah, 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 there. I feel like we're in yeah. Hurricane Idalia right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully not. Yeah. 
Uh, for those who can't see, there are a bunch of lights above us that are getting blown around by fans. Yeah, if you're if you're just listening to this on the podcast, thank you for listening. But also <laughs> check it out on on YouTube. You you'll yeah. want to see the video for this. This yeah. is this is always really neat. We've yeah. been doing some vlogging during our brew day today too. So if you guys want a little more behind the scenes of what we've been doing, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. But yeah, keep talking us through just kind of uh, how this concept came to be. Yeah, yeah. So this um one of the owners, Chris Frosaker, his one of his passions in life is tiki bars, and I mean, I, I knew what a tiki drink was before this opened up, but I didn't know the extent of like tiki's a culture, tiki's a thing. And then he wanted to make sure that Asheville got a super legit tiki bar, which uh, he did. I mean, we just went yeah. through a little tropical we storm. We just went through it's, a little tropical it's storm. It's pretty legit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the, the tiki drinks here, you know, uh, are very traditional and some are, uh, as he would describe, uh, a little more new age, um, untraditional. Um, but either way, they're all, you know, tiki drinks to which just get served in giant uh, gaudy ceramic glasses. Like we have Jabba the Hutt glasses and Stay Puft Marshmallow Man glasses. And there's a, a canoe above us right now. And yeah, so it's just, it was a project of his that he wanted to do forever. And the building just behind us was available. And so it just just kind of all lined up. Heck yeah. 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 And, cool. and it is a speakeasy. Like if uh, you're here at, at the South Slope location and just hanging out in the brewery tap room at night, you, you might not even notice that this is here. I mean, there's some mm -hmm. there's some signage now, of course, but you have to go into the production space of the brewery to kind of yeah. weasel your way into this yeah. giant room. Yeah. Once you start seeing neon lights, uh, you know you've made it. But I won't say too much more because I want everyone yeah. you know, to come experience and find it. But 100%. it's not hard. Just look around. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the booths are so comfortable. Yeah, it's, it's, way, it's way better right, than we what get we it. have. You guys the like shop. the booths. <laughs> all right, all right. This is just what we need. Um, Do you have any thoughts on this Kentucky yeah. Common? This is great. This is absolutely wonderful. I would, I mean, this is unanimously the best one I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had, uh, in North Carolina, you know, we don't see this style too much, but, you know, I love it. There's nothing not to love about a simple, clean, easy drinking, you know, Darker malt characteristic beer. Yeah. Love it. Speaking yeah. of dark malt characteristic beers, you going to talk through our uh, what we've been doing today? Absolutely. Uh, part of the reason we're out of here is to make a beer with Highwire. So we've got our little, uh, we haven't figured out a name yet. This is the Ale Mix, Ale Trail Mix, Ale Mix. Trail. 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 <laughs> but we have to like T-R and then Back to uppercase mm -hmm. A L E trail mix. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we are brewing a beer together for uh, Louisville Beer Week. Yeah. Uh, at the end of October, so uh, folks in Louisville and uh, maybe some some kegs can still be hanging out in North Carolina as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. I mean, I definitely this will be served. I want to drink it, so it's going to be yeah. served at least my my tap room. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the concept you guys all came up with was just to do a nice kind of sweeter brown ale, but we did some, there was some specialty malt in there that was kind of interesting. Yeah, right? yeah. So like the idea that. Um, I would say that like, yeah, so like the idea that like y'all kind of pitched at first was like a trail mix, which I love the idea of. And so one thing that I've brewed a bunch with in the past is uh, roasted buckwheat. I believe it's also called kasha. And what I get out of kasha in particular is uh, graham cracker. Mm -hmm. It's like this specific kind of like nuttiness. And it reminds me of like a trail mix kind of thing. So we use that and a ton of golden naked oats and regular oats. And so all of that should come together to give, that should be the base beer, it should just be like a, imagine eating a handful of like really nutty, multi-characteristic yeah. uh, peanuts. But then on top of that, we're gonna hit it with some chocolate because you know, chocolate has, is a part of trail mix. Absolutely. Um, it's got some special bee in it, which should resemble some uh, raisiny characteristics. And then it's also gonna get a pinch of hazelnut and a little bit of vanilla. Beautiful. That yeah. sounds fantastic. And that should uh, round it all out. Perfect fall yeah. beer for a little yeah. beer week in October. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to eat so many chewy bars while <laughs> yeah. I just like consume <laughs> yeah. this beer. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Dip it in. Well, talk to us a little bit more about how, how you got into this whole beer world. We've been hanging out and you told us, you know, you told us a brief version of the story about how you got into home brewing, but do you have any specific memories about that time of kind of what made you fall in love with it and decide to have yeah. it be your career? Yeah. So um, exactly when I was 21 years old uh -huh. um, and not a day earlier, uh, my buddy uh, Nick Page was uh, shipping off to, I believe it was when he was shipping off to the Navy and he had this uh, home, home brewing equipment that he got for like a birthday a year before or something uh, when he turned exactly 21. <laughs> and so... When he he was like, I can't use this because I'm going to the, you know I can't take this to the Navy. So they don't uh, let he, you brew beer in the Navy. They don't. It's uh, <laughs> Dude, the made, they might have suck. changed the 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 Navy rules by now. But 
Um, so he gave it to me and this thing was just a piece of crap. Like you, you couldn't make beer to save your life on this thing. It didn't even come with a pot. It was like, essentially if someone gave you a balloon was like, fill it up with malt extract oh, and yeah. a hop, like cool. So I had to buy a book and learn how to actually make beer and actually had to use this thing and slowly discovered that I couldn't use this thing because it sucked. And then eventually had to learn from that. Like, well, if I wanted to do this, how would I do this? And I, was I, have a, I have a beer theory. So the question, I guess, is I'll tell you the theory first. There's two books that people usually buy to get into brewing. Yep. One and of it, two. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to guess it was one of these two. Uh, How to Brew, John Palmer, or The Complete Joy of Home Brewing, Charlie Papazian. Completely incorrect. Ah, so there strong. was this liquor store down the uh, street from me that was also a homebrew supply shop. And it it had your basic like one pound bag of DME. Uh-huh. It like no one ever bought any of the homebrew supply stuff from there. And one of the books they had was uh like a how to homebrew book. I can't even remember who wrote it. I hope I'm gonna actually look for it when I go home today. But it was it looked like somebody had like like a typewriter written this Amazing. out in like the 70s. It didn't even look like it was well published. It might have been like stapled or hand glued it was like a the book was also crap. So then I had to like keep going past there. Poorly written. I, I don't even know what it was. And it was all of like 25 pages long. Incredible. Yeah. And so I uh, read that and that helped me get, you know, in the right direction of knowing that I need an actual pot and a carboy and like temperatures a thing, like that kind of thing. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's important. Yeah. Nice. And then, uh, you know, do that for a while and you've kind of uh, found yourself Brewing professionally, you yep. said earlier that you were you were brewing in Vermont, uh, maybe in Idaho as well, mm-hmm. and yep. now of course North Carolina. Yeah. Um, over how like how many years did it take for you to get here to to Asheville? To Asheville was kind of quick. To get where we're at with Highwire yeah. was a little bit more of a journey. Um, to get to Asheville, I started brewing in like 2009, 2010, and then I was in Asheville by 2012. This is the third brewery in Asheville that I work for. Um, and I've been here for six years. Um, yeah, longest brewery I've ever worked at. So, I, you know, I love what I'm doing here. Um, yeah, so it took me, I don't know, what's that, 13 years or wow. so? Yeah, yeah, to get where we're at now. And, you know, Highwire's, um, this system that we're on right now has been upgraded completely. We used to have converted dairy equipment and uh, what I would describe as like a glorified homebrew setup for other R&D uh, projects. And it all worked. Like I've always, you guys heard me say today, you can make good beer on anything. You just have to know how to really work the equipment. Yeah, um, you need that 25-page book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sauce. yeah, that guy <laughs> probably made beer also at some point. Um, and yeah, so, it, you know, eventually I showed Highwire, like, you know, this is a thing that we can really do here. Uh, they put faith in me and we upgraded the system. We now, as you guys saw, they have a nice 15-barrel system. Uh, cranking out some awesome beer and at a much faster rate. Yeah. You've been spitting, you know, you're, you've been, as you said, in the beer game for a long time and you've done it in a lot of different parts of the country. Uh, how do you compare where, and in Asheville particularly too, how do you compare where beer is, you know, now uh, versus where it was 12 years ago when you were getting into this? Does, did the same thing still excite you? Do you still, what do you seek out, you know? It's funny, like now the, um, the things that were around in 2010 excite me now. Mm -hmm. Like occasionally I'll show up to breweries and they'll have like what I call like an old school 2010 pub menu. You got a wheat, you got a pale, you got an IPA, you got a dark beer, maybe a porter, maybe a stout. And then I don't know, uh, maybe like a, maybe a lager on top of that. And then like a seasonal, there's gonna be a pumpkin beer or it's gonna be like an imperial stout with like a raspberry, which was be crazy back then. And I love whenever I see like, brewery menus that are old school like that like that remind me of 2010 of just like simple clean straightforward beer so like yeah. that it gets currently like what that's one of the things that excites me when i walk into a brewery now but uh comparatively what's different between the i mean it's just night and day Every, yeah. everything yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. everything yeah but it's pretty cool though because uh occasionally we are getting a lot of requests at highwire i'm getting requests from taproom managers that they're like, we really want like 5% pails back. They're selling really well. And I'm like, count me in. Just last year, they were like, we need an amber ale. And I was like, is this 2010 again? Like, <laughs> yeah. I've never heard, I can't remember the last time someone was like, we got to do an amber ale. I was like, Didn't New Belgium just do it? Oh, no, wait, that was... Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Too soon, man. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and I imagine with... Uh, Highwire has nine locations? 11. 11 yeah. locations, wow. yeah. Across four states 
So. Oh man, I, that one because we have sure. multiple in North. I'd yeah. have to count that yeah. one out of my head. E- yeah. Either way, though, like you, you when you do hear feedback from the tap room managers about what you know the trends are, you see an interesting. You know, like, okay, this is what people in Kentucky are wanting, mm-hmm. this is what people in Ohio and Tennessee are wanting, and this is probably a good direction of where we want, where, like, the national trends are going. So you get that little slice pretty early on. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it, it it's so different from taproom to taproom. Yeah. It really is, like, you never know what's going to absolutely kill it at one spot, and then at the other spot, it's just, that'll sit on tap for two or three weeks kind of thing. Yeah. What are, what are the best sellers down in Nashville these days? What are the people down here drinking the most of? Um, sour seems to still like sessionable sour still seem to be like a buzzword and people still like their uh, bigger IPAs. And I, we're starting to see like a little bit of a trend back to like 5% IPAs as opposed to the seven. I love to see um, There's a buzzword that I keep hearing and that I, I do want to explore a lot is hazy IPA that drinks like a West Coast. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're starting to slowly see a trend back towards West Coast in terms of maybe not in terms of what it looks like, but in terms of how it drinks. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely chase that a lot of yeah. like, I, uh, hazy's good and great, but it, sometimes they get a little sweet and there's yeah. like, you get all that like melanie fruit characters. And like, sometimes you're like, I really want like that, that alpha acid, like bitter hop. Yeah. But the, the mouthfeel on the hazy always, you know, strikes a huge, like just resonance of just like this tastes great just yeah. by the mouthfeel. So like how do yeah how do we meld those together? Yeah, I've um I kind of accidentally have done it a little bit recently. I had a lot of beers that were finishing drier than I had expected and they people like thoroughly enjoyed them. And so I think that I think that that's going to be a thing somewhat soon. And there's also like some characteristics of the hazy that you can meld really well with the West Coast, which is like they don't always have to be 60 IBUs, but they do have to be dry hopped very well. You know, you could linger more around like the 25 30 but still get a mouthfeel that has the perception of bitter a little bit more without the, you know, lactose fueled heavy, like yeah. bomb of an IPA. Yeah. And it, so when it, it gets there's a chewy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I'm a, I'm a, I have to check myself on this, but I really do appreciate whenever IPAs are resinous on the mouth and like, feels like you have like a coating of hop oil mm-hmm. not everyone likes that but most people don't i thoroughly do so i have to find myself <laughs> i have to like check myself on that one whenever i'm brewing beer because i'm like not everyone wants that yeah yeah palate like your palate can get totally warped when you like are around it all day long yeah especially sure. you're talking about your sour perception is so mm-hmm. much different than normal it's like when you eat spicy yeah. food all day and then like you're yeah. just used to it or something yeah yeah and that's that's for sure i also i always crave what i don't what I'm not brewing. Like we recently just did our anniversary party, which you guys were at. And when we did five collabs for that and what we brewed was, you know, beer that brewers want to do. We did some with a bunch of Brett beers, lagers and some like actually bitter West coast IPAs. And most of those though were not IPAs. And over the, those months I found myself craving IPAs because I hadn't really brewed one. And then at the tail end, we did a collab with dissolver and a collab with trophy and did IPAs with them. And then I was just like, this is all I want to brew right now. It's all nice. I want to drink. And then give it a month and I'll be just over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll just want to go right back to lagers. Then I'll want to go right back to IPAs. And, well, you're talking about yeah. like beers that finish dry. And then you're just talking about lagers. Uh, you guys are doing kind of an interesting, I don't even know if I'd call it an experiment anymore because it seems like you guys got it dialed in. Tell us about the uh, the k- k- Koji beers that you guys are making. Yeah. So next door, uh, one of my best friends, Pat, uh, he runs Ben's American Saki. Um, and this program, 100% could not happen without him. Uh, he's definitely 50% of it because he grows the Koji, which is not something that just, I mean, breweries could grow Koji, but it's, it requires infrastructure and equipment, all that kind of stuff. And for the for the listeners, essentially like what that is, when you were saying, you know, when you, when you brew beer, you take the little starch source, which is the grain, and it has its own internal enzymes that'll break that down into fermentable mm-hmm. sugar. Rice doesn't work like that. Rice does not. No, rice does not have those natural enzymes. So we had koji, which is a type of mold, and does that conversion for us. But wow. because it's a microorganism, just like yeast, it also creates different flavor compounds and different, you know, things like that. Um, and it converts everything. As opposed to enzymes and barley, you know, we only get down, and it doesn't convert every bit, and that's why we have mouthfeel left over and that kind of stuff. Koji absolutely converts everything that yeast can then convert into uh, alcohol, but it also leaves behind these like umami flavors that are, you know, the, uh, so you get this mouthfeel left over, but it's not, it's not the same as uh, like a a beer mouthfeel. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. And there's infinite complexity in that. You can go like, do you you get room to experiment with like different 
forms of that stuff or how do you different forms of koji well yeah how yeah. are you how mm -hmm. are you like playing around with it, incorporating it into the stuff that you guys are making so we're doing a little bit different than uh a lot of people are not everybody but we're adding koji direct if this answers your question we're adding uh, koji directly into the fermenter uh -huh. and we're letting it co-ferment with yeast we added it at the exact man. same time <laughs> as the yeast and i because i mean i work next door to pat and i can get 50 pounds of koji grown on rice which is like kind of a hard thing to come by sure. um and I, I can have beers that are in the negatives in terms of gravity within like six days. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it works, it's quick. It works really quick. Huh, interesting. And then we let it mellow out a little bit longer. Like we do our Koji lager. So obviously like we let it lager. But then we've done Koji IPAs where 10 days, man, that thing's at, you know, negative 0.7. And just yeah. for people who have never tried it, how would you describe how it impacts the flavor? You said like umami. Umami. We get a uh, coconut. And if we incorporate like a lot of rice, we'll get like a coconutty kind of thing. But I've never met coconut's a de decisive flavor. Not everyone likes it. I've never, never met anyone who doesn't like coconut, not like this. It's this different kind of, yeah, thing going on. Um, yeah, umami for sure. And then whenever we add hops to it, at least like late edition and dry hops, we end up getting like a lot of orange blossom. Um, it's just beautiful. It's unique. Um, I've never met anyone who has, hasn't enjoyed it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, like if you like crisp light lagers, I mean, it's as crisp mm -hmm. and as light. I mean, the thing, cause we use, uh, like, you know, 49% rice. It, uh, it looks like clear, the clearest beer you've ever seen. Heck yeah. yeah. You can win some, some pretty cool medals from beers like that. Yeah. yeah. I've heard some people have <laughs> some <Yeah>. people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was a great American beer festival. GABF. We got a GABF and a world beer cup for That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. the same beer where, uh, uh, me and Pat, uh, those, we share those medals, you know, together because the projects were definitely both of ours and we've done a bunch of other stuff. We've done a Koji quad, which was, uh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah. that was cool. Was it, fi <laughs> it also finished in the negatives. We did it 100% oh with uh, sake yeast also. And it ended up tasting and Okinawan rock sugar. Wow. Yeah. Leave it to the Japanese to make brown sugar better than anyone else ever has. <laughs> like they just, yeah. Perfectionists in their craft. Um, and yeah, it ended up like it, Finished in the negatives and tasted just like a phenomenal Belgian quad. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The sake yeast was super phenolic. I kind of let that one slide under the radar. That took like three or four months to ferment out. Yeah. Sake yeast is not the most resilient. Yeah. I mean, Pat's batches over there can take like two months. People yeah. are always chasing that really low final gravity in those Belgian beers just to get them really, yeah. really well attenuated. So it sounds like you nailed that. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, it took a lot. And there was a moment too where it was like above and I was like, it has to be done. And then I come in <laughs> over a weekend and I'm like, okay, it exploded <laughs> and it's moving again. Like That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. One of the things that everybody really always talks about with the beer scene is just how collaborative everything is. Um, yeah. Whether it be, you know, just sharing you know resources when when you need it or sharing a recipe and do, doing an actual collab and highwire is always kind of really um exemplified that like you all do a lot of collabs with a lot of different people from you know all all regions i mean this is what the f we're just the the fourth collab in louisville alone i think well, at least maybe with yeah you know we've done uh, you personally but atrium, atrium goodwood kaiju Kaiju, y'all. I think that's it. Yeah, but I mean, that's I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, we're already four, and Highwire, the tap room has had has had a presence in Louisville for just two years. Just celebrated their second anniversary there. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you've got a, had a, a lot of cool opportunities. Invite people into you know your home and yeah. brew and with them, and then you go to other places and brew as well. Uh, what of what of those collabs have really stood out to you? Like, what are some really exciting things that you all have really done and Release. Oh man, the most exciting collab. So uh, Sans, all the uh, every collab that we do with Ben Saki is you know Koji collab. Sure. Like I like just to go back to that. Like Koji beers are definitely like the forefront of my interest right now. So mm -hmm. whenever we have time to squeeze those in, we do. Um, the other one we did recently was Sierra Nevada. We we brewed their pale ale to you know as close as we could on our system, um, and then uh, aged that on Brett. And that was that was that was released at the anniversary party, Thank which you. is on tap now at the South Slope. It was fantastic. It was yeah, it was a really cool project, and plus working with my buddies over there to make that happen, it was cool. Yeah, um, and especially like with how tight they. I mean, that's their bread and butter, their trademark recipe, yeah. and them like, eh, we'll just put bread in it. I yeah. mean, that that's just a lot about them <laughs> trusting the process. Of, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, I definitely yeah, I was very thankful to have that you know experience with them yeah is there anybody out there that uh you'd like to do a collab with that you haven't got a chance to yet 
Man, uh, that's tough to say because, you know, like all my like brewer friends are in Asheville. Well, yeah. because I've been a part of this community for so long. So I, I feel like I've worked with almost every brewery here. Yeah, uh, I guess I just I just I mean, like your, your white whale, if you could brew a collab with XYZ Brewery, who would it be? Allagash. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Allagash would be absolutely wonderful. I mean, that, you know, brewery can do they can't brew a bad beer if they tried. So uh, that would be wonderful. That could be your all's collab. Just try to yeah. make something uh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> the um, other like real random ones. Um, there's a, a phenomenal brewery in um, Peterborough, New Hampshire called Post and Beam. Um, and I've always, you know, my parents live just south of there. I've, I've always loved uh, going to them. And then um, there's also McDuff's out in Sandpoint, Idaho. Uh -huh. I used to brew out in Sandpoint, Idaho for a different brewery, but uh Mickey over there, um, I you know I haven't chatted with him in like ten years, but his whenever I was out there, his beer was always phenomenal, and he was uh, just always like you know trying to push himself to do like be a better brewer and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. yeah, which is really easy, you know, whenever you're the only pub in a town, like in downtown, like you can cop out and just brew whatever, and people show up. But it really says a lot about somebody who's like, okay, I'm gonna like I run a pub, we're a small pub, and I'm gonna strive to be the best I can possibly be. I think that speaks speaks miles about a brewer. Yeah, yeah. And brewers are just the worst critics of themselves. Yeah, about everything. Yeah. But yeah, he was a phenomenal brewer out there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's smaller breweries that are just you know are near and dear to my heart. That's for sure. It's yeah. wild walking around Asheville. I was you know telling you, and I've told these guys like I used to spend a lot of time here before I opened a business and didn't take any vacations for a decade. But uh, so I haven't really experienced the brewery culture here. Like I think the last time I was here, like maybe like Asheville Brewing Company was like one of the newest breweries that had opened or something. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. Like, but I don't know. So it's crazy how much it's blown up. And even back then, Asheville was known as a really good beer town. But what do you what do you think is the secret sauce in Asheville that makes? I mean, there's literally like a brewery, you know, in the in this district and even beyond on every other block. Oh yeah, you can walk to like eight from yeah. right here. So is what? there something to you that sticks out about it? Like what made you seek out Asheville as a as a home? I, well, I mean, like I started seeking out Asheville. Well, I was out in northern Idaho and um, I was getting ready to move and wasn't sure where. Uh, and the news broke that Sierra Nevada was coming here, New Belgium was coming here. And I was like, wait a minute, like, you know, this it's 2011 right now. Like, I think that something's about to happen in the city. Uh, my good buddy Liz was uh, living here. So I came and crashed on her couch for a little bit. Nice. And just like, I was broke as broke could be. I like <laughs> literally had like a couple hundred bucks to my name, nowhere to like, no actual place to stay at besides a couch. Rode my bicycle around town, every brewery. Put my resume in, um, and French Broad Brewing ended up hiring me. Nice. Yeah, so that was like uh, what drew me to Asheville, and then that job happened within like five days. Lucked out, and I was like, all right, I'm going to stay. Nice. Like, yeah, and then Oktoberfest was that weekend, and I didn't know anything about Asheville, and this was back when Oktoberfest was on Wall Street, and it was like shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder packed, raging party, um, and I was like, well, I'm not leaving here. This is great. But, but <laughs> the you, secret to success in this town, man, is uh, first off, you got to create an atmosphere. I mean, people want to go drink somewhere cool. Mm -hmm. They really do. And then B is just being innovative and staying on top of those trends. Like every brewery is still going to have, you know, a good lager and a good IPA. And they're still going to be good to the traditional styles that traditional beer drinkers want. But every brewery also is also going to be like, well, we got to stay on top of these trends and, you know, keep crushing it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not. I mean, the, the you can get a little stagnant, like you said, if you're like the only pub in town, and you can just call it in and say, "This is what I do," and I, I do it really yeah. well, and I'm not interested in anything else. But you can't expand that way. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's very true. And especially, with, I mean, for high wire, it's you know, in all these different cities, we have to. There's it always has to be something new. I man, I've brewed the same beer twice. Like, I've been here six years, probably like four or five times. Wow. Yeah, that's it's wild. just always something different. Yeah, which is cool. It's fun. Sometimes you get a little bit creatively drained, but that's the beauty of doing collabs with guys like you. Like, you know, the running joke, I always say at work, like whenever I go to do collabs or do collabs with you guys, it feels like a working vacation. And sure. I, you know, I <laughs> get to do something new and inspired. And like this beer is cool because I finally got to use roasted buckwheat again, but with gold naked oats and do this new thing that's like this cool and creative. But then when I go on different vacations, like, you know, just an actual vacation. I come back like, why am I not rich? Why do I have to have a job? I, <laughs> I, know, have like, I, I tell you what, yeah. I took a vacation this year for the first time, not with these guys, but like it was almost a double-edged sword because yeah. I was like, oh my God, yeah. doing nothing is fucking amazing. It's great. And you come back like, why am I not a millionaire? Yeah. Like, why, why, why do I have to do this whole grind thing? Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with yeah. you. Yeah. But this is what I, I describe collabs like working vacations because they're, you know, they're inspiring, they're fun. Um, 
Yeah. And it gives me that creative energy, that spark again. Yeah. Yeah. When we decide on the concept and then you're like, oh, I can, I can do this. Yeah. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to build it. And this yeah. is it. And you're like, do you even put it on the recipe? You're like, it look, you know, this looks good. Yeah. Is it going to be trail mix? Yep. Okay. Nailed yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what, one of the things I really like about Asheville, uh, is the and again this is kind of a high wire thing but i'm starting to see it more and more places is just the access to underberg oh you know oh, that giant thing so much so i mean you as you guys noticed and i'm sure you've seen in louisville like we serve it at every i'm pretty sure every tap room there might be a state that has a law where we can't do underberg and beer i don't no, think so but i products so who knows yeah, yeah oh exactly that's true i forgot about that so but i'm pretty sure every one of our tap rooms has it yeah, including and this one, well, including this we, one, uh, including this podcast. Yeah, we are always really appreciative of Underberg for sponsoring this podcast, yeah. and uh, we do want to go ahead and take a Berg break right now uh, to enjoy it. We just had the Kentucky Common. We're about to enjoy something else here that you brought. Uh, so. Wait, who's uh, who's keeping the caps though? Uh, you, can, you can keep the caps. it's all good. Uh, but it's also these things are so perfect after barbecue lunches. Yes, like I didn't know. Like what an aperitif really like, or it's a digestif like really was until I had like a, like we just had a, a large barbecue lunch and yeah. then you drink one of these and man it feels good yeah you yeah, just I walk don't. around feeling full yeah and like I mean little... we finished lunch like forty five minutes ago and I'm I've been wanting this since yeah, for sure <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good well, way thanks to... yeah. <laughs> I was kind of hoping the thunderstorm would start like right in the middle of it. That would have been like, good. That would have been, been good. <laughs> I'll edit it in. Yeah. Well, you mentioned some states having weird laws. You know, maybe you couldn't serve Underberg or whatever. Um, North Carolina has some weird laws. We went to a, a place yesterday, last night. We went to Yacht Club. And they're just like, covers a one dollar. Mm-hmm. It's like, that seems like it's intentional. One, yeah. one yeah. paper dollar. Yeah. It's just leftover remnants. I can't remember. I wish I could speak to exactly where it's from, but... And, you know, don't quote me on this. I, I hope that somebody that watches this can actually This is not legal advice. Yeah, but it, <laughs> it's something to do with, like, the percentage of liquor sales versus beer sales or food sales. Something to that extent. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's just a leftover remnant. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's even tried to get rid of it because it's not that much of an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of weird. That's about it. And, but then the technicality is if you pay them that $1 – it's not necessarily like even a cover per se. It's like you're becoming a member of a private club, yep. which is a requirement. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. That's so wild. Yep. And in North Carolina, that's not the only like weird beer law you guys have down here. I know that the distribution system is a little bit different than it is, yeah. especially at least in Kentucky. We even have a weird one. But like, what, tell, explain a little bit just how your all's distribution works down here. Man, I can't, like, to be honest with you, like, I only know like so much about it sure. about how it works. But uh, we have a little bit of self-distribution at a smaller scale. And then, you know, we don't self-distribute because we're, you know, hoping to push for like 30,000 barrels this year. Um, but I, I really wish I could speak to that like better on like a professional level, but like I, I really just stick to the production of sure. the booze kind of thing. Yeah. My understanding is that basically like, so in Louis- or in Kentucky, we have like the three tiered system. Yeah. Which we do have here. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah. then in the, I guess the main difference is the only place you can really buy liquor except for from a private club that you're a member of yeah. would be from like a state sanctioned, like ABC store, Yeah, which we've got here, yeah. which is, you know, that, that government run store, which is, uh, it's a little bit finicky, you know, Sunday sales. They're open a little bit later. Um, but, and you have to like get your product into the store. So it's not like a local, we have some phenomenal local distilleries. And, you know, if they don't get into the store, they're just not sold at the mm-hmm. store. That's just it. If, if the store's like, well, we don't like the product, then you can't sell here. Which has to be damning to their business. Yeah, it can be. And if I'm not mistaken, there's also something like, if I'm I'm pretty sure about like 90% sure that there's only a certain times of year that you can uh, submit your product to the ABC. And let's say that you miss that time of year, then all of a sudden that product's not sold at the ABC anymore. And what seems wild about it too, because like, you know, in in Kentucky, like one of the main issues now that like a lot of the breweries can do a little bit more self-distribution and stuff than they used to be able to, is you're always competing for that shelf space. You know, if you're in like, liquor stores uh there's all those you know companies bringing big end caps and like the big distributors will you know give you x y and z brands if you agree to put x y and z brand in here in the little side aisle and the little side aisles oftentimes where a lot of the craft beer ends up i mean do you have any idea how that works when it's all being run who's the decision makers there i'm not even putting you on the spot yeah i wish i could speak like more to that and like it's 
you know, I know that this, uh, there's some brewers like at my level or at a breweries like around downtown that have to actually like deal with that stuff and do their own sales. But I'm blessed that Highwire has like a, a great sales team and like they handle all that stuff. Like when I need to get this beer to Kentucky, I've got, you know, I hit up Drew and I'm like, Drew, how do I get it to Kentucky? Like, and then we have Brick who runs our warehouse. I'm like, hey, Brick, like, you know, I got to get this beer to here. And he knows when those trucks are coming in and out. And like, I'm really blessed to have that here because it helps me just focus like just on the beer. Um, you know, I could sell anything, but luckily I don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. The best way to sell it, just to, like you were saying, just be innovative and just kind of yeah. make sure yeah. that it's something you want to drink and people uh, also seem to like it. If yeah. The, if the well, bourbon distilleries in Kentucky had to submit their product twice a year to, to, yeah. Uh, yeah. to a regulatory agency to approve or disprove them, we would have a lot less bourbon on the shelves. Yeah. There'd probably be riots, I think. Like yeah. they'd all show up with pitchforks outside of the governor's office. I tried more, uh, last time I was in Louisville, um, I tried more bourbon in 24 hours, like different types of bourbon than I had in maybe like eight years. Nice. It was by the end of the day, like I had to like just start, I was drinking water just cause I had drank so much bourbon. Like I was like, my throat doesn't feel like I don't, I don't usually drink this much liquor. Like, yeah, it was any, awesome though. Any yeah. standouts? Um, the standouts like, well, so we went to the Buffalo trace distillery and everything there was phenomenal. Great. Tour. Um, and then I don't, know if they're from louisville so i hope i don't get like shot for saying this but there's i think it was, it was called pinhook i think was it yeah i think um i think they're based out of frankfurt might be might, i think they have i believe they have like a running horse which is yeah. probably like a very common label in kentucky but yeah yeah <laughs> there's a lot of horses I believe it was pinhook uh that stood out to me um yeah very nice yeah yeah when you're traveling too you know you're you say you're so steeped in the beer world that it's just all you think about every day and all day long. But when you are traveling, what kind of other things do you like to seek out aside from just hitting up a brewery or two? Pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Pizza's, um, a, that's my nerding out hobby. Like food outside of beer. I discovered that I have all this creative energy. But at the end of the day, when I'm done brewing beer, I'm kind of, I, I don't want to just keep doing beer, 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 because I'm just kind of burnt out at the end of the day. Sure. So uh, pizza and other types of food on top of that, but primarily pizzas. Nice. Yeah. Any great pizza towns you want to shout out for people who are out there that might they might not be aware of? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going up to Jersey um, this evening, and there's this spot called Nelly's that I love. I always forget exactly what town it is. It's like Hohokus, I think, around there. But it uh, they it's really good bar pie. So that that's one that's coming to mind because we're going up for a wedding and I was talking to my girlfriend last night. We don't have time to go. Fiance. <sighs> yeah. Fiance. My fiance. My fiance. We just got engaged. I'm getting better than my fiance. Yeah. Um, thank you. I really appreciate that. Okay. You can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll bleep it. We'll make it sound like you call it something that, much no, worse. Yeah, that would be good. I'd appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I was yeah bummed out that we couldn't go there. That was a staple of her childhood. And it's just really good bar pie. Nice. Yeah. So that's what comes to mind off the top. But uh, other than that, while you guys are here, we got this place called Contrada downtown. That is some of the better uh, wood fired pie I've ever had. Hell yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. you've shared some of your knowledge and some of your pizza recommendations with us. Uh, we've shared some underwear. We have something else we want to share. Yeah. Um, let's hope it opens well. <laughs> we'll edit that out too if it uh, pops or foams um, on us. Should we grab like a pint glass in case it, no, no. You know what? Fuck it. Just let's go with it. Let's do it. It's, it's fine. We gotta, Have your glasses ready. Yeah. Uh, so what, what is this? This is a, I believe this is the Sour Saison from this past year. Oh, wow. Is, yeah. This is going to be a good pop, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, beautiful. Oh, look at that. It's perfect. Cool. Yeah, it, um, from oh, years of working with bottle conditioning, uh, this is a, we've got a pretty dialed in here. It's funny, like for all the uh, professional brewers that are watching this, I have a sight glass on a little bright tank, which has a Sharpie mark on it that I have never changed the sight glass on because <laughs> if I fill the beer to that exact level, and put the exact amount of sugar in, I get the exact same thing every time. And it's sour beer. I mean, like, what's the difference? You know, I reuse these barrels for six years. Why not reuse the same thing? That's that, like true home brewer mentality. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like, like, I know it, I know the exact volume I'm going to get. Yeah. I know the exact everything. And it like, works how much out is it? Oh, it's the right amount. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. cheers. This is exciting. Yeah. So this is also the, um, for everyone that can get this at, if, uh, whenever, I don't know how many of your listeners are Louisville and outside of there, but if you're near a high wire uh, tasting room, see a bottle of this, you should get it because this is the last 
year that this beer will oh. exist in particular. Ooh. Uh, I actually had it. Um, one of the brewers from Arai Brewing, uh, T-Mart, and I, we split a bottle on the second anniversary in Louisville. Uh, it nice. was delicious. And um, yeah, yeah uh, this was this thing also, what, took 19 months? Oh, uh, I can't remember what this really one was. Good. This one had a bigger gap. It, this used to come out the same time every year and used to be the same amount of months. But when we were installing the new brew house, I didn't have any tanks to put any beer into. So I think that this one took a little bit longer. But this is done the same way every year where when I took over the sour program from uh, Jonathan Parks, who now runs Zillacoa, he had started this beer uh, and it was great in the barrel. And so what I did was I put a little bit more Saison yeast into the barrels mm -hmm. and then I would just knock the kettle out into the barrels. And nice. just let it sit and ferment for 12 to 19 months. And I never pitched any more yeast, never did anything else. I would pull the beer out. I would knock beer right back into the barrel same day. Nice. And we would just do that over and over and over again. And think this is the fourth or fifth year. It yeah, you can tell that it's a really robust culture in there. Like yeah. It's yeah. funky and it's tart, but it's not one dimension. It's very non one dimensional. It's a lot yeah. going on. This is actually, um, we were talking earlier about how with the conditioning of uh, barrel aged beers here at Highwire, like they don't meld too much in the bottle because of the conditioning yeast that we use. This in particular, like really has, there was, because we're shipping, we are now shipping barrels back and forth from a location to up here. Uh, something that can happen is you can get very mild oxidation uh, because those top staves and sloshing mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. And so for a little bit, this had very a very mild oxidative character. Um, I always describe it as this is very specific barrel oxidative character, um, and that has definitely uh, gone down in this. And this is this is beautiful. I'm glad this is you know this definitely aged well in the bottle. It, real nice. Did you yeah. say there's any? Was there any fruit added to this, or no, is that just no, all no. the expression of the yeast? Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, for the listeners, it's like. First, it's just very nice and light and bright and tart on the nose, but it's almost got like a wild strawberry kind of tartness, like a yeah, slightly yeah. underripe strawberry yeah. or something. That's phenomenally good. That's incredibly good. And uh, oak the, uh, aged, the right? Oak, yeah, the oak yeah. comes through. Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, it, with our barrels, like you can say oak aged for sure, but like it's a, uh, what, you know, five, seventh, eighth use. Mm -hmm. okay. So they're very neutral was, barrels. Like, yeah. That was always a question uh, that I even had just a couple weeks ago at the second anniversary. It was like, I wonder if that's like new oak or how many times else, yeah. like what else has been aged? We we rarely get uh, new oak um, up here just because the barrels with our cultures are just so good. And yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. very well done. That's incredibly yeah, Thank you guys. Good. I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 So this rare. is um, the Saison yeast is, you know, it, it's there, but it's not, I wouldn't say in the forefront. Definitely like a lot of Brett, Pinchalacto. It's not as sour as our other bottles are. Right. So. That's, that's, Perfect. It's yeah, crushable. Guys. It's drinkable. It's delicious. Yeah. And this is a different expression every year with this being the last year. So what happened? So the first year that I took the beer out of the barrels that uh, Jonathan Parks had done, um, it was a little bit more on the malty side and, I was, and it was perfect. The next year I was like, all right, let's go a little bit lighter. And then I was like, and then the following year we'll go just a little bit darker and I'll just compare like what I liked, you know, out of those. And then eventually going went back to like not as malty as the first one he did, but just a pinch less. And I can't remember exactly what this recipe is, but it's super simple as you know, most traditional barrel aged beers are it's some Pilsner malt and some Munich, maybe some dark Munich. Um, and it was just, yeah, like I just did those iterations. Like let's lighten it and then bring it back up in darkness and see what we like. Yeah. So I asked because when Howair opened their tasting room in Louisville, this is one of the first bottles that I remember getting there and you know, it's been a little while, but it does taste a little different. It, it definitely does. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, that, that barrel characteristic. And I, I really do think that we get it from shipping the barrels between the two and it's not a bad characteristic, but it's just something that like, I think it's great. Know, yeah. And I think that that's definitely mellowed out in the bottle a little bit. Yeah. On the complete flip side, another thing that Howire does that I'm a really big fan of, especially when it's like hot as hell outside, like it has been in Kentucky, uh, is your all's like uh, what the water series. I guess the first one was mountain water that you guys started making. Yep. Tell, yeah. us, tell us a little bit about that, because I thought you guys hit the nail on the head with that product. Yeah, so it was kind of like a little bit of a, uh, like the old head brewer and a bunch of us, like we kind of pushed back. We're like, we, wanna, we don't want to do a seltzer. Right. We brew beer. We don't do a seltzer. And even the owners were like, yeah, that's right. We're a brewery. We're not going to do seltzers. I have res mad but, respect, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate that. But there's also certain points like, all right, but like we can do something. But there's so much money. But yeah, <laughs> there is that part of it. But there's also something like, well, we can do something innovative that's so close. Yeah. Oh, we're and, getting another oh, thunderstorm right now. The gods are angry because we're yeah. talking about seltzers. <laughs> about seltzers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so we... Uh, we want to just get as close as possible to doing it. And of course, like, you know, I could 
like the Koji beers are like just spot on, like right there. And the, the Koji beers are essentially low calorie, but it, uh, here we go. Oh, ASMR. Yeah, the coolest. Yeah. yeah. This is, you guys need to come here and drink beer and cocktails. This is <laughs> yeah, amazing. The best. Yeah. And I, yeah, the fans are very nice right now. Yeah, you guys, and you actually get like a little warm tropical aroma. It's like it's yeah, like the, a warm the AC, water. The AC drops in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets yeah. like you humid. Some, you got some humid, warm air, like yeah. forced in. What and a cool experience! Fans. And is the only way to get here through the through the brewery? Is there a back entrance? It's a speakeasy, uh, no, John. There's, there's, okay. Yeah, there's not a back entrance. That's yeah. awesome. This is yeah. so fun. This I came great. in through the roof, but that's me. Yeah. Came in through the bedroom so, window. Yeah. So sorry. So yeah, you you didn't want to brew a seltzer though. Oh yeah, so we. Oh yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah, and uh, so this was just like, this is like an untapped market though of like, it'll be a beer, but it'll be so light and dry, it'll act like a seltzer, and then we'll you know, hit it with fruit and flavor it accordingly, and do that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's a great gateway beer too because like, if so many people are into seltzers and like, they're just like, oh, I don't like beer, I don't drink beer, but like. It's a it's an excellent thing to give somebody. It's, it's like a hybrid, truly, between like a seltzer. One hundred percent. Like as we uh, say on the label, and I, I firmly believe it. It's a um, it's a beer to share with your seltzer friends. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and it's and refreshing as shit. It it's is so man. good. I drink I, I drink the hell out of that stuff. Yeah, I really do, man. And uh, the one we have out now in particular that I love is the uh, the pomegranate one. Mm. That, I haven't had uh, that yet. I don't think I'll have to try that. Yeah, it's um, you see it more in cans. Well, at least in Asheville, I've been seeing it more in cans and draft, but it's. It's good. Nice. Yeah. It has it has a super unique mouthfeel. That was, that was one of the first things. Like when I yeah. tried it, it was like, oh, it's another light product, which is trending. Um, but it was like, wow, this just has like this bubbly kind of like burst in it. And I'm like, I know it's beer. I know it's beer. <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't know if it's beer. But yeah. it, it is. <laughs> Depends on what yeah. mood you're in. Yeah. Yeah. When what it, David am I today? When it first came out, you know, we we meet once a week on Wednesday evenings to do like or some some business meetings and then we also do the podcast on Wednesdays typically too. Uh and I just remember when Mountain Water first came out, we yeah. were buying we were it, like it. by a case at a time <laughs> yeah. and we would just drink so much of it in one session. Like this is too good. Yeah. It's yeah. too dangerous. It's yeah. also like impossible to like get drunk on. Like yeah, exactly. Just, oh yeah. It's I mean uh, what's the, is it four point five? I believe it's four. I, right. I, should, I should know that off the top of yeah. my head, but yeah. Because it's just so light, like it doesn't really sit in your stomach or anything. Like it yeah. just it's so easy. Yeah. Sometimes I'd like intentionally mow my yard really slow just to turn it into like a, a six mountain water yeah. day or something <laughs> like that. Just like yeah. The other one to try in that realm is our margarita session sour, okay. which is uh a little bit more hefty in the flavor, but still super light and like wild it hits you with a punch of flavor. Yeah, that's some uh some good stuff if you're if you're into that lighter side of things yeah. yeah one other thing we always do on the show is ask people to bring shows and tells we talked about this beer that you brought to share with us you're at work so you didn't get to bring us anything else but you have been talking today about you're you're pretty into motorcycles you've done some pretty cool motorcycle stuff in your in your life it sounds yeah. like yeah the motorcycles are a big hobby of mine for sure and, and around like, we have the best riding in the country in north carolina also and did you say you went on a trip what was that off-road the dirt trail uh trip? so it was like a majority uh dirt from it's called the Mid-Atlantic Backcountry Discovery Route, and it goes Virginia to uh, essentially the border of New York. Wow. Yeah, and then we have another one around here called the Smoky Mountain 500, that is Western North Carolina to Tennessee to Georgia to back up here, and that's like seventy or eighty percent dirt, some gnarly off-road stuff. That's really cool. Yeah, I bet that's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and so now me and my fiance, uh, nice. we're mainly doing. I nailed it. We <laughs> uh, we mainly do two up trips now, and which um, there's we don't really do that off-road because I can't imagine how painful a passenger would feel after three hours right, of just yeah. getting rocked around in the back yeah <laughs> 15 minutes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah should go yeah. back to being your girlfriend if you take her <laughs> on one of those uh we, we learned that you also really like music as well it seems like you're pretty knowledgeable on on that subject uh we have a great festival coming to kentucky called yeah. bourbon and beyond have you ever are you familiar i have heard about this one yeah um i believe uh ali who used to work for us she remember when i was up there doing that collab with uh goodwood uh, that was gonna happen somewhat soon. Who was who headlined it last year? Was it last year? Yeah, it, it's a four day festival, so they yeah they yeah. have a bunch. Was it? I, is it? Was Alanis Morissette part of it last year? Uh, yeah, she was. Right. She was. Yes. Yeah, that was the big one. Yeah, yeah, that was super. The cool. big one last year. Um, let's see yeah. if you know any of these guys. I, I think they're pretty big names. Um, we got Brandy Carlisle. Oh, okay, big Bil fan of her. Billy Strings. Yep. B Billy MF Strings. Uh, <laughs> Train, train. Do you know train? At last she's Superman. back in hey, the hey, atmosphere. Yeah, <laughs> I try to forget about that one. If um, Duran Duran doing this like just 
countrywide tour, but they're going to be there. So. Super down. I thought you were about yeah. to say something like they have a new country album out. No. Or like, <laughs> I thought you were about to be like, yeah, they're doing an acoustic set. I was like, I'm in it's, a, way. it's the opposite of Garth Brooks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we got Blondie. I'd listen to it, honestly. Cool. We got uh, the Black Keys and the Black Crows. Nice. Sweet. That would be cool if Are they played together. Or back to back. That would be yeah. good, yeah. Uh, the Avid Brothers. Sweet. Hozier. They're here. Hozier, like, Asheville Avid, guys. Yeah, Avid yeah. Brothers here. I don't know if they live here, but they're definitely like, from here, right? Or they're yeah. playing here yeah. frequently. Now, a whole list of undercard. But yeah, four yeah. days of a lot of music, a lot of bourbon. September 14th through 17th. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, just yeah. right there in Louisville. So if uh, you're outside of Louisville, if, if you need an excuse to go, definitely do that one um and usually you know great spirits and cocktails there too so it's it's a unique festival experience yeah and while you're there you can do your louisville ale trail too oh, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. uh peter we don't want to take up too much more of your time so we really appreciate you guys again just inviting us in yeah to both brew with day. you and then also show us around you took us to lunch you we are we're doing the podcast in the uh, speakeasy tiki right now so yeah, thank absolutely. you very much is there anything coming up that you want people to know about um, in particular, um, just the, the beers, like we're, we're just now out of anniversary season, which tied my tanks up forever. And so there's going to be an explosion of like just beers, like we're doing and whatnot in all of our tap rooms. Uh, so just keep an eye out for that. Like if, uh, yeah, it's gonna, there's gonna seem like there's gonna be a lot of variety coming out to all the tap rooms soon. So okay. if you live near a high wire tap room, uh, come two weeks, just, you know, start going there every day and seeing what's <laughs> Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. yeah. Good marketing. Uh, David, what do you got? Um, I'm going to plug vacation uh, to places that don't have uh, aggressive levels of humidity. Yeah. Um, well, it's really a, enjoying that. It's, it's a wet heat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John, what do you got? Oh, man. Um, I, I guess I'm going to have to shout out uh, fucking, fucking Bucky's. I had never been. We went to two on our way down here because we were charging up the electric Bucky's. car. <laughs> I, I had never been. It's a ridiculous experience. It's a ridiculous experience. It's fucking packed. Yeah. Like for no reason. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm a. No, the I'm a reason big is nut. it's great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah. And it it's I, my, one of my favorite things about it is the uh, the billboards. Yeah. It's 127 yeah. miles. <laughs> yeah. And I think that there. I, I heard rumors. I don't know if this is true that there's one in Tennessee for one in Arkansas. Like there's like next buggies coming up 427 oh, miles I and it's just it. like yeah it's amazing like, well I guess I'll just hold it we'll wait <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also gonna shout out our YouTube channel the uh, the podcast listenership has been growing uh, if you guys like what we do on here go check us out on YouTube especially this week because we're gonna be sharing a lot of the footage from behind the scenes of this brew day give you guys a sneak peek to our trip to Asheville so come come play with us on YouTube it's a lot of fun yeah you kind of stole mine right there oh, I, was sorry. Gonna, I was gonna plug the podcast as well if if uh, you know you're listening you're watching thank you so much uh, if you haven't please go ahead and, and send a rating as well and then also hey just just tell a friend that you should that they should probably listen and watch this too we're going to eventually talk about something that they find really interesting. Uh, probably, chances are, I don't know, we've been doing this for 60 episodes now, which is a pretty good milestone. That's a little bit more than a, you know, episode per week. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to resign at 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we snuck like that, that one by you. Yeah. I'm only supposed to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Uh, but yeah, so go ahead and just uh, tell tell your friends to like and subscribe. And that, that does us uh, a, a lot. So thank you so much. For, yeah. Anytime. Uh, thank you for everything. Yeah. yeah excellent. Uh, let's finish these beers and wrap up. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.